Texas talking oh. What was that that you said? Texas talking oh. Gonna hoop upside your head Texas talking Tell me who can you trust When Texas guys Hi, this is Forrest Wilder, editor of the Texas Observer. Don't worry, I haven't hijacked the Tribune's airwaves, but I am broadcasting from a rebel bunker in an undisclosed location somewhere in downtown Austin. Before I sign off and rejoin my comrades, allow me to introduce you to my favorite weekly 30-minute podcast on Texas politics, the Texas Tribune Tribcast. And now, your esteemed host, Emily Ramshaw. Thank you. This is Emily Ramshaw here with the Tribcast for the second week of August. I'm joined by CEO and Editor-in-Chief Evan Smith. Hello. Executive Editor Ross Ramsey. Howdy. And DC Bureau Chief Abby Livingston. Hello. This is the best. Is this your debut on the Tribcast, or have you done this before? I did one in December, my first week on the job. how great is it for her to be here? It is the best for her to be here. It is the best. I even get to have her as a roommate. It's quite fun to be back in the great state of Texas. Good. We're happy to have you. Speaking of the great state of Texas, what in the hell is going on with Rick Perry? Oh, he's not currently in the great state of Texas, uh, but Rick Perry has had some... some uh... He doesn't have the money to get back. <laughs> yeah, right. Right, exactly. We're hearing he's, that... he's hitchhiking on the side of the road, right? Right. All right. Well, fill us in on Rick Perry's financial troubles of late. Well, he basically ran out of money uh, on his official campaign. Uh, and so it's, it's an interesting place there on the surface it's very obvious he uh has lagged in the polls he did not break into the top 10 to be on the fox news debate uh in early august and um it's been difficult to recover from his 2011 campaign performance and his debate appearance where he used the word oops that has dogged him ever since uh but what i learned was something i think we probably could have deduced six months ago but this really the financial problems became started to be put into motion in December when Jeb Bush announced he was running. And from then on, the Jeb Bush has uh, a, he is part of a family that practically invented fundraising in Texas in uh, modern politics. And so uh, Bush and then other presidential candidates were able to uh, basically rip apart, as one source said, the pie of Rick Perry's fundraising base. And so uh, that is what happened in this instance, was uh, the the people that Rick Perry was betting on to deliver financially uh, started to drift to other candidates in this very talented field. I would have imagined, Abs, that this would have been actually Cruz donors. As opposed to Bush donors, because Perry ideologically is more aligned. Well, that's well, the, you would have thought at yeah. least until this campaign. In this campaign, Rick Perry looks like a liberal. Let's be candid about it. But I would have imagined that Rick Perry, comp- you know, would, would have compared more favorably on the donor map with Cruz as opposed to Bush. I would. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, Perry was governor for so long that everybody forgets that he poached the Bush list when he started. Right. They're just taking him back. I think it's, but I think it's not. It, it is Cruz. It is. Scott Walker has a very high-profile fundraiser from Austin. Uh, Marco Rubio has landed a bunch of donors, and so it's it is it is it's not just one candidate. And um, I used in the story we posted last night a, uh, an example of a bundler from East Texas named Gaylord Huey, who was a uh, Perry guy, raised fifteen grand last cycle for Perry, and now he was with Bush, and he was with Bush early. And so I I think it's um, it's just it's not just one, and he was hit from every direction. So, but did this sneak up on them? I mean, it seems like they were you know we're in it to win it. We're going to be through all the early states. We're going to get to Texas, you know. And then suddenly, out of the blue, it's like whoops, we don't have any money to pay our staff. I mean, when did this happen? Did it was this did this come as a surprise to folks yesterday? I would say, I mean, the the most interesting thing, I think, to come out of this, and it's uh, 
Perry's been uh, compared a lot to John McCain, who experienced this almost exactly eight years ago, and he eventually won the nomination. There are some similarities and some differences, but the biggest difference is that this is a super PAC era, and Perry is very well funded on the super PAC side, which cannot coordinate with him. In fact, one of the most uh, uh, prolific fundraising efforts among the super PACs has been Perry's, right, among all the candidates. It's one of the few strengths (laughs) he's had. He found the right two guys. So the rule is with super PACs that you can't use them to fund your staff, that you can use them to fund, I mean, they can fund advertising, they can fund, you know, their own sort of private pro-Perry, but none of that can be ground game organizing? Well, that's what uh, the Washington Post and the Tribune reported earlier this week was um, the people running his PAC are from Mississippi, and they are extremely talented Republican operatives. Uh, They are part of the Barber family. Austin Barber, right. Yeah. And former, I mean, he's not involved, but they're part of the family of former RNC chairman Haley Barber. And so they will say, and they've said publicly, we saw his financial report. We saw the writing on the ball, wall. We knew this was coming. And so they say they put into place weeks ago, they started hiring staff for their super PAC in Iowa, which I didn't know there were still people to be hired in Iowa because mm-hmm. the staffing of this presidential race has been spread so thin along with the fundraising. Right, and so a dozen candidates competing in these states. A, a lot of what we're seeing in this presidential campaign is uh, the changes of the super PAC era and people making it up as they go along legally while staying within the legal bounds. And so this is something unprecedented, which is that the super PAC is saying we're taking over almost every single aspect of this campaign except getting the candidate from point A to point B. So, I mean, so they just yeah. need basically plane tickets. That basically commercial so we're gonna flights. See, we're going to see Rick Perry and the B group on Southwest now for about the next three or four months. Well, what, do you, what does that mean? Plan? I mean, explain what that means. Well, so he has to get from place to place. And what the Super PAC, and the Super Abby PAC says, Super PAC can't that. buy plane tickets for Perry to fly. Right. But really, what you reported, Abby, or somebody in the same story universe reported in another publication that really all Perry has to do is be able to get himself from place to place. And beyond that, the Super PAC can cover Almost all the other. So that's chances. not considered coordination. So no, if they're the, putting so on the, rallies, if they're putting on so there's speaking ways, there's ways to communicate without right. communicating. You don't have to call them and say, "We're going to do this. What are you going to do?" You can say, uh, "Here's our schedule for the next few days." Um, you can hand it to. Well, it's public anyway. You right? can you can make it relatively public. You can put it out relatively early. You can you know provide it to your donors along with the talking points on the Sunday night meeting. You know at the beginning of the week, and those folks can share it with your super PACs or whoever. The super PAC can do on your behalf, but they can't do it your direction. So and, if the super you know, PAC is, has all this cash, and, and then you know we're sure that there will continue to be rallies and they'll continue to play in all these states, what, do, I mean, this doesn't really, does this matter? Does it matter that Rick Perry can't pay staff if, you know, if now he basically has a, a well, pseudo this, staff? Well, they're, vol- they're volunteering. The story that we, again, I think, I think our story is yeah. that only one person who was a paid staffer for personal financial reasons could not continue in a non-paid basis. Everybody else is apparently continuing. Here's the problem for Perry. The poll that came out yesterday of Iowa caucus Republican voters, a million polls, so it's one poll. Perry was at 0.8%. He was below 1%. Now, Santorum and Graham and Gilmore and Pataki were all down there at the same, you know, 1% or, or below. But he's not showing that the success, you know, you'd have to have some success in the run-up to this point to give people something to lock, you know, to kind of lock their hands around. The debate didn't help. Um, I mean, I, th- I actually, in, you I know, thought he, he sounded good in the debate. But, but, but the, it, it didn't help because the only takeaway that Nobody people remember watching? from Perry's debate, well, no, people were watching, actually. The debate 
attendance, the, even the audience for the for the debate, the first debate was larger than most of the big debates for the last campaign. But smaller than John Stewart's farewell. The, but the problem <laughs> is that the only takeaway from that debate, the only line that Perry uttered that anybody remembers, was the pro Fiorina line. Was the pro Fiorina <laughs> and Ronald Raven, which then right. the campaign denied he actually said. Fiorina got all the press and all the bump after that first debate. Was there a bump? Have we seen polling numbers? Yeah, that the, the Fiorina is now in double digits. She gained some significant percentage mm-hmm. in both Iowa and New Hampshire polls since I don't the know if she made right? double digits. I, 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 she's at 10% in New Hampshire. I was going to say, two. I think I saw a poll where she was at 8, but I can't remember which yeah. one it was. But she's really, the point is that she's Single now, double like, digits. She's now <laughs> yeah. like third or fourth in New Hampshire according to the polls that came out yesterday. She's certainly going to make the next CNN debate if the trend line continues. He didn't get any lift out of it. Um, look, to, we're sitting here on the 12th of August. Tomorrow's the 13th of August. Four years ago. <laughs> that works? Yes, it is. Boy, I never knew that. Allow me to, Glad we to have teach you. you the way calendars work, Ross. <laughs> All right. So tomorrow's the 13th of August. Four years ago tomorrow was when Perry got into the presidential race in Post, 2012. Post-back surgery. 2011. 2011. Which should tell you something about the value of being of polls at this point because he was at 34 then. Right. But I guess the point is the knock on him last time was he got in too late. Well, now he's on the verge of being knocked out before he even got in. But but the, the super PAC thing keeps him from being knocked out. He's got you know he's got this fantastic safety net under him. It may be that we get to the end of this and the analysis is wow all those people who were unemployed by the Rick Perry campaign found a job with. The Rick Perry Super PAC. Right. Can they just move over? No, there's you... a grace period, isn't there? Uh-huh. I, I, I saw a very uh, reliable New York Times tweet. A uh, reporter tweeted that there's about a 120-day cooling off period, which is pretty long. Yeah, that's extensive. Right. Maybe they can hire Bob Blonson, you know, the, with a fancy mu- fake right. mustache. Right. You know, it's not actually Rob Johnson. It's Blob Blonson, right? No, look, I think the other part of this is that, um, that uh, uh, Perry, you mentioned McCain earlier. McCain was in a, a not- dissimilar position but not that right where he's carrying his either. own bags flying southwest right remember toast. they were they wrote mccain off mm-hmm. at that point in 08 07 but, but the candidate right? pool was so much smaller then right you're already starting to see stuff you well, know it wasn't a, smaller it was also lamer there was a you know the right. the journal wall street journal had a thing this morning you're starting to see this in columns where people are saying okay so the five serious candidates are you know, and they all have their own version of it. You know, we're in the sorting period. And the thing about the super PAC is however the mechanics of it finally work out, you can keep a Perry alive into the actual voting period. I mean, 17 million, you know, by hook or by crook could get you to January, February when people are actually casting so, ballots. So uh, Halpern and Hallman on Bloomberg yesterday were debating this, you know, do, do you think Perry, they were talking about Perry specifically, but they were also talking about Rand Paul, another RP who has financial problems, much different than what people expected. And until recently, he was in those groupings of the four or five or six who people thought would be in this, and now people are beginning to write off Rand Paul, fairly or not. Their question was, do you think that RP and RP, Rick Perry and Rand Paul, will make it until Iowa? And Halpern said, until a couple of weeks ago, I would have said, absolutely, Perry is in this race mm-hmm. until Iowa, regardless of where he is in the polls. Now I'm not sure. And Halpern was saying, well, I don't, you know, they were kind of disagreeing. I think that's an open question. You know, I would have believed that everybody's going to stay in this thing until Iowa, because who knows what happens in the last couple of weeks? You catch fire, you have a surprise showing, you end up in a certain place. Now who knows? Also, what are the metrics of success? Like there are people talk about a ticket out of Iowa, depending upon how you finish. What are the metrics of success in a race with 17 people? 
Well, and also, is it top three, top five, yeah. top his, six? What one of it? his fundraisers said four or five would be a victory, placing fourth or you fifth. You get in the fourth or fifth. God, it's hard to climb over 12 people, isn't it, if you got 17 people in the race? You know, I felt a little bit bad for Rick Perry this week, especially after Donald Trump's, you know, pseudo-menstruation joke. Uh, Wasn't pseudo-anything. Yeah, right. You're, you're well, a deviant he if argues, you think that. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, suddenly then everybody was, except for Ted Cruz, was coming out and, and bashing Donald Trump. And poor Rick Perry, the original Donald Trump basher is like, you know, left in the, left in the background. It's like now everybody's on the bandwagon. It didn't help him. Well, right. turned out it didn't help him, but he also once then it became cool, and suddenly you know he wasn't the only one in, doing it. In a field like this, you know, in a in a foot race or in a political race, you have to have something that distinguishes you from the pack. And right now, none of the things that distinguish Perry from the pack are positive. So you know they've got to turn that around. And of course, the shame of it is this Perry is a plausible presidential candidate. That that's almost the sadness of watching him is that. Four years, I was four years ago, almost to the day, the nomination was almost handed to him on a silver platter. Everything that could go right for a small stretch went well for him, fundraising. Uh, and then, right. and that he, there's nothing going right this time, and it's stuff he can't control. And he is a better candidate, and you just see, he cannot control the basic fact that he's competing against better people than four years ago. Yeah, and he that couldn't even him. get, he couldn't get past Herman Cain and Michelle Bachman last time. Right. And this is like Major League Ball. This is the 27 Yankees he's up against. I mean, this is serious. Everybody in this field, or most of them, hit cleanup. I would argue that the right. guy who's beating him right now is the guy who ran four years ago. He's losing to Rick Perry. Right. Do you think First, that people are not willing to give him a second chance absolutely. to make a first well, I don't see any evidence that, that they are. Where's the evidence? I, I Those clips are not old. Right. I would right. say the media and the world that I live in in Washington definitely has written him off, but I cannot find anyone on the street when I'm in, in the early states, a regular voter at an event or just a waiter who will say, I hold this. I hold. I hold. Oops, against him. They always say something to the effect of, "I once failed on a stage," and they have an moment, like they have empathy for him. It's just that they have other options. The irony is that if you believe that immigration has been the thing that has propelled Donald Trump into a, a place where he is, incredibly, in first place, that should be Perry's issue, right? That's Perry's whole thing. Is I'm the immigration guy. I was immigration before immigration was cool. I'm a border guy. He hasn't even been able to get any traction with that. I guess the problem all along for him was going to be, how do you differentiate yourself from the pack? What's your issue? What's your thing? Immigration's what killed him four years ago. We all remember, oops, that was punctuation. That was it, the in-state right, tuition right. It was the booing him in Florida at the You don't have a heart. Debate, you don't right? have a heart. The heartless stuff. Right. Well, so how we've we've talked about um, about Perry's you know performance or lack thereof. How was Cruz on the debate stage? I mean, he say, seemed like he was sort of quiet and off to the side, and you know there wasn't that much memorable that I took away from it. I was sitting there with my stopwatch at one point, and he was quiet, silent, off camera for 26 minutes. Yep, I think in the New York Times had these sort of in real time. How many minutes have they talked? And he was like, you know, third to the bottom or something like that. I think he will be interesting as the because this was just the first debate. And as we go along, the stage will probably shrink. It may take months and months and months, and it may shrink in March when the candidates are actually eliminated. And that's I, I will be very excited to see when Cruz has ample time to engage if he makes it that far with um, other candidates. I was I think it would be um, with his debate skills just to see how all of that plays out. Well, he knows how to make a fist. He's proven that. He's already called Mitch McConnell a liar within the last couple of weeks. Right. Guy's not going to shy from yeah, so shy he, away from punching So, so he won't say anything bad about Donald Trump, but he'll call Mitch McConnell a liar. Well, he's. I think I do think as much as 
as there's a facile aspect to saying, well, Cruz is going easy on Trump because he wants to inherit Trump supporters. I think there's a germ of truth to that. I think oh, that sure. actually the people who are apt to be supporting Trump in the absence of Trump, the the, the place that they may very well migrate is, is to Cruz. So Cruz, you want those misogynists the, on your on your team? He's waiting for the serious-minded. Their, their one vote counts alo- <laughs> alongside you, you communist. He's waiting for the serious-minded pissed-off Republicans. Look, you know? look, I didn't think Cruz had a particularly good debate. I don't. I, don't, I didn't think Ben Carson had a particularly good debate. Well, no, they didn't. I mean, and right? if you don't but get asked both questions. Of the, but both of them have done well post-debate in fundraising and in attention, and, and, and they've gone up in, in the polls. Because I think the people who were listening for certain keywords in what they talked about heard them, right? The, and then this idea that somehow Scott Walker had a bad debate and Jeb Bush had a bad I didn't think that Scott Walker or Jeb Bush had an appreciably worse debate than Cruz and Carson had an appreciably Good debate. It all seemed like mush to me. Watch. Nothing distinguished them. I it mean, was that's, all about that's the Trump, problem. right? And you know, Chris Christie and Rand Paul going at it. Neither of them is particular. Well, Chris Christie, you know, that was an interesting thing about the debate. When you see these guys on stage, you read about them and everything. You read about all of Chris Christie's dead. Blah 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 blah. When you see him on stage, you go, "Oh, that's how that guy became governor of New Jersey." You sort of go, "Oh, that's a talented po- right. politician." Um, yeah, I he, agree. He I, did it. I, he I did agree. a pretty good job taking Paul apart. The the problem for the Bushes and the Rand Pauls and the Scott Walkers is that they didn't distinguish themselves. Cruz only had seven minutes, but you remember it. And Ben Carson only had, you know, three minutes or whatever, but you remember it. Yeah. They distinguished themselves. I'm Bush sticking, seemed flat out boring. I'm sticking right. to my original belief so far until it's proven to be wrong that Bush is not going any. I mean, I just don't see where Bush is going. I understand he has all this money, but tell me how he ends up not being Michael Huffington. Because because really the 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 problem well, for him the marriage the, <laughs> the money the money notwithstanding I don't hear anything that tells me this is the guy and the way that the party is constructed the way the primary electorate is constructed maybe I'm wrong where is the what is it here I mean listening to him speak reminds me of listening to my like seventh grade science teacher you know the guy who everybody slept through the class and you know honestly Kasich has gotten a pretty big bump out of this thing and I think Kasich is just interesting he is interesting but he's not going anywhere he's either. every he's every well, Democrat's favorite Republican he's right, the John exactly. Huntsman of, of you know totally. but he, he is the John Huntsman I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that that's true I think he's gonna be I think he's running for veep and you know people are gonna want Iowa Ohio and Washington experience, and you know, if you're Jeb Bush or Marco Rubio or whoever wins this thing, that that's going to be one of the people on your short list. Mm-hmm. I will just say I'm agnostic on who will get the nomination. This is a level of chess that I, I mean, I've, I'm not that old, but I, I've never had less of a sense of who could get the nomination than this field. I mean, it's how people are playing off of against against each other. There's no direct uh, contest. It's how many different directions can you fight these battles with different people? And it's 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 fascinating from my point of view. I will say that for selfish reasons, from a Texas perspective, I do think it, it makes the prospect of March 1st, the SEC primary day, when we have Texas and the other southern states and um, on, on primary next year, it makes it much more interesting because there is a genuine chance that you have the first four contests, Iowa, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Nevada with four different winners. You could have that happen. And you could have people who, are st- who don't win but – place well but and have the super PACs backing well, them. For instance, it is entirely possible that Cruz wins not, none of those four states. But Cruz has been on this bus tour through the SEC states over the last couple right. of days for a good reason. He's thinking, well, if, I don't, if, if the field is fractured coming out of those first four deals and you hit March 1st and I suddenly run up a bunch of victories, including Texas, pick up the electoral votes in Texas, 
that could conceivably be right. a significant thing for crews, right? I totally agree with that. I don't know. I can't believe thing, I'm going to be on maternity leave during this. The other thing that's going to keep it's them all alive is proportional voting. Exactly. You know, you don't you have a winner-take-all state, so. Yep. Right. All right, well, back here in Austin, let's check on uh, – we've checked on Rick Perry. Let's check on the other Texas official under indictment, our, uh, our pal Ken Paxton, who was uh, – there was another kind of court date in his future that he appears to have narrowly avoided, this one around the gay marriage battle in Texas. Ross, can you fill us in on, on the latest on that? Yeah, they basically were not granting the uh, – this was death certificates of um, – partners and it had to do with partner benefits you know if 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 you're not going to recognize my marriage then you're not going to recognize my name on a death certificate and the benefits or inheritances that might be attached to that don't come through so I've got a legal claim and he was saying you know we're not going to do this and a judge in San a federal judge in San Antonio said Oh yes, you are, and if you don't show up down here, it's going to be contempt of court. Right, I'm going to hold you in contempt of court for right. not for not showing up in the courtroom. To, right. To... So, um, so they basically, you know, a lot of you know, chewing and barking for a little while, and then they said, okay, we'll grant, we'll put it on the death certificate. So, I mean, that seems like a substantial concession from the AG's office, from you know, from Paxton in particular. Was this, you know, a true concession? All right, fine, we think this should happen, or was this a? Jesus, I really do not want to be in a courtroom any more than I have to be. Well, I think days. it was Lower a concession. Case, lowercase J. I think it was a concession, and I think <laughs> yeah. they looked at it and they said, you know, look, the Supreme Court ruled on this, and you may not like it, and you may want to hold your breath until you're blue, 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 but that doesn't change things. And the federal judge, you know, when you finally, you know, every lawyer, you know, there's a moment when a federal judge says, no, really, and it's, you know, your parent's voice, and you um, snap into line. I think that's what happened here. Paxton oh. is, in a tough, is in a tough spot right now. He's got 100 bullets flying by his head, whizzing by his head. And, you know, I know that the affect of the AG's office will be and should be at this point, business as usual, continue to hate on the federal government, continue to sue and continue to do the work that you do that, you know, shows everybody that <clears throat> the gay marriage controversy and the indictments and everything, notwithstanding, we're right. just, we're, we're just, take, we're serious. We're serious. We're doing our job. But it's, it's a tough, this is tough. And I think that I think pa- Paxton is. I, I don't think that the the puffing out of the institutional chest at this point is 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 possible as much as some might like. I think he's he's got to he's going to have to give up on some things or maybe not be as aggressive on something. He's just he's in a tough spot right now. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, also there are rumblings going on around him about how uh, you know who might be next in line to K- be AG. KXAN had a story yesterday, which I don't blame them for doing. I mean, that's what you do in this case. But they had a story saying, here are set. It's like a listicle. Here are seven attorney general candidates who might potentially be in the job if Paxton goes away. And it was Don Willett, Eva Guzman. Michael Williams, who I hadn't actually heard his name before, Jason Vialba. Who can't do it. Who Vialba cannot do it? Yeah, if you voted on the current state budget, you can't be appointed to a state office. That's interesting. I did <laughs> not know that. Okay. So Vialba, um, uh, uh, Daniel Hodge right. was in Who's there. Who's the first assistant under Chip, Abbott. Chip Roy was in staff. there. Who's first the current assistant first now, assistant. Right. And then Wallace Jefferson. You know, the, the, the war gaming of this, which is indeed going on. Well, it's in, going on. I wrote a column about Starbucks it. Starbucks I mean, is all over the city. They're this talking about on. it. Yeah, yeah, you know. You know, the thought is, you know, everybody thinks Willett is the, is the lead a candidate potentially to succeed Paxton if Paxton were to have to be removed or to remove himself from this. That's if you're judged on the basis of your how good your Twitter feed the, is. The problem, and if, and the, if you went to Baylor, we got to have right. Baylor guy. Will the problem for Paxton is that you're six months into office and the grave dancing has already started. Right. You know, the, I mean, you know, it's terrible. It's an assessment 
by the you know gossiping set, the chattering class, whatever you want to call it, of your chances of surviving this thing. And frankly, they seem to think the chances are small. You know the the statements not from not just your enemies. By the way, statements too, from right? the people that are with you. You know the the you know the speaker was silent. The lieutenant governor and the governor both did versions of. The courts will take their wait, wait and see. You know, right. right. Um, yeah, nobody came out and said, you know, well, a couple we're with did. You. Right, I mean, a couple did. Not the statewide elections, no, but none of the elections. Well, yeah. Empower, Empower Texans slash Julie McCarty slash 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 that right. wing of the party. Right. They think this is a plot constructed out of the speaker's office. Right. Um, to get right. Paxton. Right. May, may I just ask a question from the outsider's perspective of this? Um, I've covered politics in New Jersey, Illinois, West Virginia, and those are states that are known as corrupt, and it's not unusual for officials to be indicted. We have a former governor. We have the attorney general. Is this, are you bragging? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Texas doesn't bit. ever register with the corruption whenever anyone's rattling off those. Is this an unusual moment in history? You know, it's funny. Texas has sort of got Teflon about this. We've had a bunch of indicted officials along the way. You know, Jim, we had a— 30 years ago had Jim Maddox, you know, the attorney general, you know, Kay Bailey Hutchison, you know, we've had issues like this, but Texas doesn't get pinged in the same way that the Illinois and the New Jersey's do. But if, you ask, but if you ask people, well, Perry just got indicted and he didn't have to step away. And, you know, he's that sort it's, of worked out well for him. What I hear from people who I believe to be like sort of dispassionate, disinterested parties, but who know the law, they say this is a different deal. Yeah. The things against Paxton, the right. n- nature of the indictments, it's a more serious and more complicated deal than the stuff on Perry. Is I think, think well, most the, people look at the Rick Perry indictment and think, oh, right. this guy kind of got a raw deal. Right. A lot of people are looking at the Perry indictment thinking that's a dubious political right. uh, hack at Perry. The problem with Paxton is that, you know, at least on the surface level, one of these three indictments looks an awful lot like the thing he confessed to a year ago when he was running. And people are kind of scratching their heads and going, well, this is going to be right. a well, remarkable a escape if you pull it off. Right. Exactly. Uh, speaking of remarkable escapes, uh, there was some weird behavior at the Capitol this week. We had a guy <laughs> a guy who was, I guess, Notable sort of— Notable because. <laughs> yeah. A guy who was seen sort of trying to get into the Speaker's office, apparently, or the Speaker's apartment. And then suddenly— Poof, two cars are ablaze right outside of the Capitol. DPS is like sort of in the loop, sort of trying to figure out who this guy is or whether these incidents are connected. What was the scoop that you got? Well, you know, this guy was poking around the speaker's apartment. There's a lot of people don't know this. There's an apartment for the speaker behind the House chamber. There used to be one for the lieutenant governor, but it's been converted into a a reception room. Side Um, note, how come only the speaker gets an apartment in the The speaker and the lieutenant governor used to have them. But the Um, lieutenant governor doesn't anymore, so they expect the House to be working later than the Senate? Well, you know, that's kind of what (laughs) happened. That's kind of how (laughs) it goes, actually. Um, But so was poking around back there and, you know, got some staffers, you know, worked up. It's hard to tell from what we're hearing whether the DPS came over and got involved in that or not. But this guy, you know, did all of that and then disappeared and then reappears, as you said, on film around the Capitol um, starting a car fire. Well, so, wait, starting the car fire or just, you know, he— they, Well, they've he, got a picture of him away from the thing, the—, the um, you know, what he, some of the people he, who are involved— standing by a car. He has one of those cartoon gas cans with right. two X's Well, on you it. know, the, the, right. the first thing we got was that, you know, somebody has started a car fire at the Capitol using an accelerant, gasoline, kerosene, whatever. Um, and Whose car was it? It was a, it was a sergeant's—you know, the, the House and the Senate both have kids, basically, who run around. You know, they're sergeants. They run errands. They do stuff. They man the phones. They have to wear goofy blue jackets with emblems on them. 
and apparently they get their cars burned up if it's a really bad <laughs> yeah, day. Yeah, right. I know exactly. <laughs> so some some poor staffer got a oh. you know got his car baked, torched. Yeah. Um, and this guy was basically like seen leaving the Capitol grounds. Right, and they they've issued a picture. The DPS uh, doesn't have the guy yet. Um, the ten thousand dollar reward now. There's a That's reward. Um, Towards someone's car, and there's only a ten thousand dollar reward. You know, and and there's some anxiety in the Must capital about you know this. Yeah. You know, some of the anxiety about this kind of stuff in the capital started with the people who are running around uh, videoing, videotaping, and and audio taping the members during the session. The American Phoenix people, you know, to try to catch them out doing or saying stupid stuff. And some of the people in the capital, on the house side in particular, didn't feel like DPS was aggressive enough in with this person dealing or with just these, in general with dealing with those dealing guys with and the then this thing is sort of like and here we go again right well so, they have panic buttons now right aren't they safe <laughs> I, I guess i don't know if anybody pushed a panic button this time or not mm-hmm. so is there concern that the dps has fallen down on the job is that what you're suggesting yeah i mean this guy's poking around you know i mean that was sort of the suggestion was this guy's poking around offices and stuff and you know some somebody ought to have marked him at that point and here he is a little while later, burning a car down. Has anybody said there's all this hate directed toward Joe Strauss out in the political world, and that somehow all that hate directed towards Strauss is the is the accelerant itself for all for what just happened? No, nobody but Evan Smith. Well, I'm not even saying that I'm saying that. I'm just wondering if the fact that it was the Speaker's apartment as opposed to something else. I haven't I haven't heard right. that on yeah. this one. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I I think that this sounds like some nut job. It sounds like a goofball. Sounds you know, more like what happened with the governor's mansion a couple years well, ago. Well, we don't what know. If it, Maybe what if it's it turns the out to be the guy. same guy? Yeah. Didn't they catch that guy? No, no. They never. never caught the no. Molotov cocktail guy? They no. never caught the Molotov. And this guy who was seen on camera leaving the, the Capitol, he was escaping in flip-flops. Like, if you really are like, I'm <laughs> I'm going to steal stuff from you. try to run in flip-flops? Right. It doesn't work. Right. These are, these are my getaway cars. For the first, like, for all of high school, my parents wouldn't even let me drive wearing flip-flops. Flops. They were convinced I was going to get it wedged under there, and you know. See what happens. She's still better. My dad felt the same way. Yeah, it's it's all about Emily. It always is about Emily. Yeah. Well, it wasn't me leaving the Capitol. Let me just say, although someday, although some days I do want to touch the place. I I thought the person who uh, torched the governor's mansion was some hairy hippie-looking guy, i.e., like your husband. Oh well! Wow! Shots oh. fired. I, that took a turn. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, her right. husband hasn't we don't been know caught. That he yeah. didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Yes. If you'd like to torch Evan Smith's office, <laughs> you can uh, email us at tribcast at texastribune.org. We'd also love to invite you to the fifth annual Texas Tribune Festival, October sixteenth through eighteenth, on the UT campus. Do shots with Julie Mason. Do shots with Julie Mason and Abby, who's I've here. I've never done that before. Well, oh, there's sure. still time. Registrations now open at texastribune.org/festival, uh, and you can also sign up for Trib. Cast alerts at texastribune.org slash tribcast. Lots of slashes. We'd like to thank Shiny Herbs for doing our music. And on behalf of Evan, Ross, Abby, and our producer Todd, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. Texas talking. You sound like Donald Trump.